found the Adorno podcast. I'm your host, Julie Charles. Welcome to the table. Thank you for joining me today. As I was writing the first few episodes of this podcast, I found myself going on rabbit trails. But the one that I most often went on is what I'd like to talk to you about today, and that's God's glory. But more specifically, how we mere mortals glorify God. Very smart people have written on this topic, and I encourage you to read their writings. But just know that any idea that I have in this podcast is probably not an original idea of mine. And as always, if there's something I say that you don't agree with me on, I encourage you to take it to scripture. Hold everything against the standard of God's word. But also, you're welcome to email me. To start, I know that God's glory and how we glorify God are two different things. But I wanted to touch on both of them for this reason. God's glory is an attribute of God's that we have a hard time understanding or perhaps have an experience for ourselves, and it is in getting a glimpse of God's glory that we're able to glorify Him. When I was researching and looking at passages about what God's glory is, it seemed that the most common description or definition was His holiness. This reminded me of the passage in Isaiah where the Lord is sitting on His throne, filling the whole temple, and Isaiah is ushered into the throne room, and the seraphim are worshiping, calling out the phrase, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It also reminded me of a very distinct moment in my life where I truly experienced the glory of God. Please forgive me for talking about myself so much, but I thought it might be helpful. There was a time in my life not so very long ago that I had all that one would need to be content in all things. But I was anything but. I knew something was off, and I was praying that God would show me what it was and what I could do about it. It so happened that God showed up in a most bizarre way. I was walking on the treadmill. I was reading the book by R.C. Sproul, The Holiness of God, and there was one chapter in there that affected me like none other. I can't tell you exactly what it was that I read, but I distinctly remember the experience. I was walking along, and it suddenly dawned on me, and it was as if a fog lifted and I could see. The clarity was unbelievable. I imagine it was something like what Paul experienced when Ananias put his hands on his eyes and God healed him. And almost immediately after that initial feeling of relief at being able to truly see, came such a crushing, overwhelming dread. With the clarity came understanding. I saw who God is clearly, perhaps for the first time ever, and he knew everything, absolutely everything about me. And it terrified me and relieved me all at once. I had to stop the treadmill and fell on my face, and the tears wouldn't stop. I didn't even know what I was crying about. I could not tell you what emotion I was experiencing at that time. I waffled back and forth between being terrified and relieved, horrified and entirely secure, so ashamed and so free. It was unlike anything I had ever experienced before or since, and I can't even tell you exactly the words I had read in that book. What I think happened that day was that God gave me a view of him. He allowed me a glimpse of his glory, his holiness, that has forever changed me. I think perhaps it was what Isaiah experienced as well. When he was ushered into the throne room of God, he was forever changed. Isaiah clearly understood who God 
truly is in all his majesty. From an article I recently read, it said, With his eyes open to the glory of the Lord, Isaiah also finally realized how utterly sinful he was and how desperately he needed a Savior. Like the Old Testament prophet, our lives will never be the same once we encounter the holiness of God. And even as I have had that experience, I still don't think I could accurately relate to you what the glory of God is. Just relaying what I experienced was inadequate and difficult to put into words. I think each of us has to experience it as he reveals it to us. I'm not sure that it can be adequately put into words this side of heaven, but another article I read had this to say, Scripture gives us many indications of what the glory of God means, but like his other attributes, God's glory is not fully comprehensible to creatures. There is a greatness and magnificence to the Lord that cannot be expressed, and we won't ever be able to comprehend God entirely, even into eternity. We are to exalt his glory because it is the highest good and the only thing that can ultimately satisfy human beings. So while we aren't going to be able to completely comprehend, it doesn't mean that we don't try and learn more about the God we worship. That last part is the part I want you to catch, so let me say it again. We are to exalt his glory because it is the highest good and the only thing that can ultimately satisfy human beings. The Westminster Confession of Faith's first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In other words, what is every human being's purpose? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. He created us to find our complete satisfaction and purpose in nothing but him and enjoy it. It sounds so simple, and yet how many of us know what it means to truly glorify God? And how many of us are truly enjoying him? And further still, how can we redeemed sinful humans truly glorify a God of such greatness and magnificence as our God? Scripture has laid out how we do just that, with all our being. Just as there are verses instructing us to love the Lord our God with all our beings, hearts, souls, minds, and strength, there are verses telling us to glorify God with all those same things, our bodies, spirits, minds, mouths, and hearts. Every part of our being was designed to worship him. John Piper says, Worship is the term we use to cover all of the acts of the heart and mind and body that intentionally express the infinite worth of God. This is what we were created for. Now, I'm not going to give you a handy checklist and say, this is the formula to glorifying God with your whole being. It doesn't work that way, because we all have different beings and different good works that he has prepared for each of us to walk in. This is where our helper, the Holy Spirit, gives us understanding in how we glorify him with our whole being. When we look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through 20 have the title, Glorifying God in Body and Spirit, so I encourage you to go read that whole section for yourself. But I want to look specifically at verses 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your whole body. If we call ourselves believers, we must know that we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We have been bought and paid for with the blood of Christ, and we are fulfilling our calling in Christ when we live like we understand and believe that statement when we are totally surrendered to the will of God. We are most like ourselves when we glorify him. 
What do I mean by that? There's a quote I'd like to read you from C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, where the demon Uncle Screwtape is writing a letter to his nephew Wormwood, in which he says, when he, talking about God here, talks of their losing themselves, he only means the clamor of self-will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I'm afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. We are most like what we were created to be when we are glorifying God. With our body, now while we're on this earth, we are confined to these mortal coils that are ever marching onward toward physical death. That's the result of sin. But we are still to be stewards of these bodies he has given us while our, our time is on this earth. So how do we glorify God with our bodies? Well, what do we do with them? Do we use them and abuse them, or do we take care of them? Do we use them to serve others, or do we serve ourselves? The way you use your body will glorify God or not. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Spirit. How do we glorify God in our spirits? Because we were bought with a price, we are indebted to God to worship him. And not a guilt-ridden debt, but an honor and a privilege that we get to do, whether we feel like it or not. And this isn't something that we do on a Sunday morning. Your spirit is always with you and is always worshiping something. Who do you worship in your spirit? Is it your family, your comforts, your heroes, your schedule, or God? We also glorify God with our mind and mouths. Romans 15.6 says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to glorify God with our minds. Our thoughts are to be set on the things of God. Psalms 1 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. What are we thinking about? What are we filling our minds with? Are we in the Word every day and meditating on it? What is the internal dialogue that goes on in our heads? Are we talking about others or our Heavenly Father? And mouths. What do we do with our mouths? Well, we talk and we sing. Are we singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs? Are you singing to the Lord a new song, proclaiming good tidings of his salvation from day to day, telling of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples? Are you encouraging other believers and stirring them up to love and good works? Or are you criticizing people, complaining, nagging, gossiping, or voicing discontent? 1 Peter 4.11 says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. And finally, we are to be glorifying the Lord with our heart, with our emotions and affections, with our inner being. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. I may be wrong on this, but from my experience, this is perhaps the hardest for us women. It's easy for us to go off the rails and into a ditch on either side. 
We can either love so hard that it becomes ungodly, or we make an idol out of what we love, or we can fly the other direction and end up in an angry, aloof, or bitter ditch on the other side. We need to pray to have the power of the Holy Spirit to keep our wandering hearts on Him, on the rails. No matter your age, or place, or stage, or title right now, our purpose is the same. Each of us is to glorify God with our whole beings and in every area of our lives. Our bodies, spirits, minds, mouths, and hearts were made to worship the God of all. There is nothing that doesn't fall under the Lordship of Christ, and we need to start living as though we believe that. I have to continually ask God to show me how to glorify Him in every circumstance and pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will equip me to glorify Him in every circumstance. One way some of the Reformers did this, and how I strive to do this as well, was to remember the little Latin phrase, Coram Deo. Translated, it means, before the face of God. R.C. Sproul said, to live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. We glorify God when we acknowledge Him in all things, when we cheerfully obey Him in all ways, when we live by His standard, and when we seek His face. We worship Him because He is the only one worthy of worship. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. O God, make me worthy of this calling, that the name of Jesus may be glorified in me and I in Him. Sisters, we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, please don't hesitate to email us. Also, if you'd like a written copy of any of the podcasts, email us at adornopodcast at gmail.com. That's this week's episode of the Adorno Podcast. Join us next time at the table.